Hey, how you doing? This is Kirk. This is another episode of Delirious, and what a delightful conversation we have for you today. We're talking with Ms. Shannon Brady. Shannon is a professional basketball player in the Ireland Super League. She plays for Father Matthews Cork, where she currently is the leading scorer and rebounder. No surprise, Shannon also kicks some ass as a college player uh, for the Polar Bears of Bowdoin College. Back in 2016, she was NESCAC Co-Player of the Year, New England Women's Basketball Association Player of the Year, and All-American. Now, since she is an alumna of Polar Bear Nation, of course, I invited uh, my formidable co-host, Coach Adrian Scheibels, to join in the conversation. So we have tons of fun with Shannon. Now, not only is Shannon a professional basketball player, but during quarantine, uh, she decided to create her own personal brand. Uh, so she started the Instagram page known as Shea Bray Fit, S-H-A-Y-B-R-A-Y Fit, where she will uh, post inspiring workouts. Um, she will discuss uh, self-care and her morning routine, thoughts on healthy diet and living, and it's an all-around inspiring place to be. Um, so this is this conversation was super cool. We talked a lot about uh, accepting yourself and living authentically, facing fears, being empowered, and reaching your true potential. And um, this is a great conversation for any of us, but also especially for uh, for young women. We talk a lot about Shannon's journey from uh, from high school uh, as a JV basketball player, as a freshman rising through the ranks, um, working her tail off to get to the varsity level, then throughout college and, and now as a professional. So she certainly inspired Adrian and myself this morning, and I know that she will inspire you as well. So here she is, the soulful and multi-talented Ms. Shannon Brady. What else do you want to chat about while we're waiting? Mm, nothing. Okay. You have nothing to say to me? Now, do you think I should shave the spring or keep it? I think you, you, you should like do it? what you want to do, but I've come to like it. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. But I think if Maybe you Maybe I'll wanna... shave it once and then see if I like it, and mm -hmm. I can just let it grow back. Mm -hmm. Just took you a while to grow it back, but... Are you saying I'm less of a man? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. It did take I'm a while. I'm just saying you work time. so hard to. I work so in, hard in COVID times to get to a good base. Back. Yeah. <laughs> what if I just go like this, mustache? No. You don't like that? No, I do not. The girls would like that. No, they would hate it. Are you doing? You look like a creepy porn star. <laughs> Moxie Eastwood. That's like your right, your pet, and your first your street you grew up on. What's yours? Your first pet and the street you grew up on. Uh, my first pet, like from birth. Your first pet. Well, we had two beagles, Barney and Candy. So <laughs> I think you gotta go Candy. Candy. Candy Knox. <laughs> yeah. Or Barney Knox. Oh, Barney Knox. <laughs> That's a good one. Actually, for a dude, Barney Knox would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Barney Knox and Moxie Eastwood. <laughs> oh, wait, there's a message. Shannon, I think I'm in the right place. Just click there on the link. Oh. Hi, guys. Sorry, I was in the. Shannon! 
What's up? Oh, my throat is, is, is bad. I had such a good voice, and then all of a sudden, right <laughs> when you were entering the room, my throat hit. I was trying to think of like a good moniker for for you, because like there's no I Irish assassin. Uh, Shannon the Shiv. The <laughs> Shiv. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It's so good to see you guys. You too. You too, Shannon. What's going on for your Saturday? How are you? Um, not much. I just we did a Zoom workout with our team. We do them Saturday mornings to try to get up and do something. So I led that at like eleven, and then I showered, and here we are. You look gorgeous and so put together. Excuse the Carhartt hat and the just woke up look. <laughs> this is my one day that I put on real clothes because the rest of the week I'm in sweats working from home. So don't worry. Uh, usually like that. What was you your workout? Like, so you led a workout for your basketball team. Yeah, we do like, I lead like Zoom workouts for our team like three times a week and Saturdays, we usually just do like a full body, like high intensity interval training. So it's just kind of like a mix of stuff, you know, plyos, body weight stuff um, to kind of sweat a little bit. I had a glass or two of red wine last night, so I was, I was sweating it out. A glass of or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been tough. We're in like full lockdown. Like Ireland has been in, yeah, Ireland's been in level five lockdowns. We've been since new year's so like literally nothing's open no restaurants there's a 5k limit for where you can go you're only supposed to really leave to exercise for like within your 5k um and you can't like mingle with other households at all so it's it's weird because like especially everyone you know you guys are all in the states like so my family it's like life's kind of moving on but we've just they keep extending it so right now we're in lockdown until april um with wow. just nothing open so wow. I'd say people are getting the lockdown fatigue for sure so it's like anything we can do to kind of stay together stay moving is good wait now where are you in Ireland I'm in Cork and Cork is where so Cork is like the very south so if you have a Dublin in the middle that's where you fly into normally and then Belfast like where Keelan is from um, is like an hour and a half north of Dublin. And then you go down all the way south, like two and a half hours would be Cork. So it's right along the coast. You guys would love it. It's really pretty. It kind of reminds me of like Harp Swelly, like Maine coast. Well, it has the countryside, so it's a bit more, you know, Irish, but it is, it's beautiful. It's nice. I would love to visit you there. I would love, love, love it. Oh, you have to, you really would. Well, you're super nice to do this show with us, Shannon. Um, I've been a fan. I listened to the first one. I remember, was it back in the spring? I don't know which one. Oh, it was like, yeah, it was It was last fall. Well, two falls ago, like 19. The one where it was just me and Adrian just hanging out, right? Yeah, that was the first one I listened to. And then I was like, oh my God, these are so fun. I know, I was saying like, you guys were asking each other all these questions. And then I'm like, I look over at Keelan. I'm like, what's your biggest fear? <laughs> like, Can you not ask me? <laughs> oh, that was it was like, Shannon, I'm trying to go to sleep. Please stop. I don't have time for this. <laughs> what did you say? What was the response? I mean, See, this is a dynamic in our relationship, though. Like, I always ask these, like, deep questions, spiritual questions to him. And he tells me that it's just always at the wrong time. He's like, you just ask them while I'm, like, in the middle of, like, trying to relax or trying to fall asleep. <laughs> but, 
Sometimes I get answers out of him, but I didn't from that. Well, I'll have to follow up. We have the same issue late at night is when Ugh. my brain, like I like to journal before I go to bed and I like to kind of recap the day and and I will start to talk to Kirk and ask him questions <laughs> and he has no patience for it. I'm just like, no. I'm out. I'm out in like literally 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's talking. the same, I know, I'm the exact same way. You gotta catch him in the morning then, as soon as he wakes up, what's your biggest fear? <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, What's going on with your basketball season? Adrian knows all this already, but I don't. But I'm just, I was curious, like, who's the team you play for? What's going on with COVID? Um, and tell me a little bit about the league. Okay. So I play for Father Matthews, which is a club based out of Cork. Um, so there'd be different clubs, like in each county, city. Cork would have a few different clubs. Um, Dublin would have a few and whatnot. Um, but basically, there's like two leagues in Ireland. There's the Super League, which is the top league. And in general, those are just like the clubs that would have more money. Like every basketball in general in Ireland, like there's not a lot of money in it. There's a, a, like a branch like Basketball Ireland is the organization that runs the league. So they would have money. But like a lot of the coaches aren't being paid. Like, you know, Americans and internationals that come onto the team would normally be paid in the top league. Um, and that's why they're in the top league and kind of more successful and it's better competition, but it just doesn't have the same, like anywhere near the same kind of stature and money put into it. That's like in the States. So that's why, but it's growing so much to be fair. Um, so like the top league in general, like I said, would have like one to two Americans on the team and then maybe like an Eastern European player or something. So it gets really competitive and there's just a lot of connections between the U S and Ireland now, um, like a lot through sport changes life too. Like, a lot of scholars from the program I did have ended up staying and playing for like another year or two. And they also have connections with their colleges now. So like there's some girls and Irish teams here who are now playing over at Quinnipiac and Holy Cross. Um, so there's a lot of girls going over and playing like D1, D2 as well. So it's definitely getting a lot better. Um, like my team, for example, I would be the American and then my other good friend who was a victory scholar two years ago um, Trisha Byrne, she actually played for Holy Cross and she's from uh, Pennsylvania. She's the other American on our team, so she's our point guard. And then we are lucky that we have like a couple of really good Irish players because like Ireland itself um, puts together like an international team too to play in like the FIBA 3v3 and Europeans, which is really cool because that's not really something you can do in the US unless you're like, you know, WNBA status. So all those Irish players like play um, in the Europeans. And like we have two sisters on our team who are like two of the top players in Ireland. So we have a really good squad. So we were really excited for this year. Um, this is gonna be my third year playing for this club, Matthews, because I moved down to Cork after my first year. And then the season got, I guess it got postponed, like same as everyone, like last spring, they kind of announced that it was at least gonna be pushed back more. So we started doing like, I was up north at this time because we had gone up to visit Keelan's family. Um, I think I went up on St. Patrick's Day with like a backpack for with a few outfits in it to stay for a long weekend. And we ended up staying at Keelan's house until September. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was only there from like March to September because um, everything just shut down. And like we just started doing like Zoom workouts like together as a team thinking that that was going to be our preseason because we weren't going to get to play together, you know, until September, October timeframe. 
And then they just kept pushing the season, pushing and pushing it, saying it was going to get postponed. And like, you kind of knew it was just going to be canceled. But at the end of the day, like this season was just completely canceled, um, which was a bummer. Like it was, it sucks. Um, but luckily, like I said, we have kind of the same team. So hopefully I get to play next year. Um, but that's like the top team. And then there's a league below actually, the National League too which might just be clubs that like don't have as much money. I mean, it's still competitive. I think the competition level and the caliber of players is just better in the top tier league. Um, and I played for the National League my first year when I was a victory scholar because I went to Trinity. And I guess the club that I played for at the time, Meteors Basketball Club in Dublin, was in the, in the bottom league. Um, so I was happy to ne- like then the next year play in the top league because I definitely did feel like there was a bit of a difference in competition level. Um, but I guess overall, like I, the best thing about Irish basketball is that people literally just play because they really love it. And it's such a sense of community and there's so much competitiveness and like, like it really is. I think it's, it's a different style of play slightly. So it takes some time to get used to. And there's not like the seriousness of like the structure around it as much, but like the players take it so seriously. And the fact that like some of them, like some of these Irish players who play in like internationals and like have gone and played like D1, like they don't get paid anything. Whereas like the Americans might get paid some money and a lot of the coaches don't get paid, but yet they put just as much like time and energy into it. And I think that's like really admirable. I think it kind of shows the character of the people a lot, which I love. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about Victory Scholars, the program, how you learned about it and, um, and just how it sort of brought you to Ireland? Yeah. Oh my God. It's kind of like a roundabout. No. Well, as you remember, I was trying to play abroad. Um, I kind of felt like I just hadn't reached my own potential and I just had like this real urge and desire. I was just kind of being like called to go somewhere else and just like kind of explore that curiosity of like traveling and learning and different cultures. I just felt like I hadn't done that part of my life yet. And, um, yeah, so I was, and I and I was still like so much in love with basketball and didn't feel like at all like I was finished athletically or anything. So I was emailing, like I know I was working with you and Toby at the time, just emailing tons of coaches being like, anywhere I can play, like <laughs> fun. As you know, it's hard when you're at a small D3 school, like they're looking at these, you know, higher caliber D1, D2 players for the most part for some of these like European teams. Um, so I was getting some feedback. I actually ended up like, applying to the University of Edinburgh when I was gonna like go there I was kind of set on that but I remember I talked to you about it, Adrian that it wasn't going to be a full scholarship and even though I really loved the coach and the thought of going to that school and playing like you know I had already had student loans for Bowdoin like I just I felt like at the end of the day my gut was like okay that's not the right fit and I, I couldn't really find anything that felt like the right fit so I ended up then applying to assistant coaching jobs too, um, applied to the Colby job. We talked about that. Um, and that did at the time just feel like the right gut decision. I'm so grateful for that like one year chapter of my life because it did, it led me to Britt, who's another one of my basketball mentors after you. Um, but it also just like allowed me to see like where I did want to go. Like I, I loved so many aspects of assistant coaching that year, especially like the players and building those relationships so much. Um, But like I was still in that small town Maine vibe. And like I said, I just felt like, I guess at that point in my life, I was like, 
I really want to just grow into myself more and grow as a person. And I don't feel like I can do that here because I come from a small town and I went to a small school and then I coached at a small school. And I was just like, it was just, I, feel, I don't even know what the quote is, but it's like, when you have to go away from home to actually like figure out who you are at like your core, like that's how I felt very deeply. So I think like one person sent me an email and I, I wish, I think I could still find the email if I could, but it was a random guy. Cause I had just been emailing so many people looking for like any leads to professional teams or like connections. And he, he said he didn't know of any clubs at the moment, but like he did know of a program based out of Ireland and it was called sport changes life. Um, and it was like a really good program. And I think he put like an Irish blessing or like a poem at the end of the email. And that was all. And I was like, okay, this is kind of random, but I'm just going to look up this program. And I looked at it, was, the title Sport Changes Life, like immediately attracted to me because obviously I'm just like, oh my God, like sport does change life. <laughs> but I believe that and it just sounds so like profound. I was just really attracted to it. And then the minute I looked it up and saw that it was like, you know, in Ireland, which I obviously have so many like, root connections to my family is very Irish from a very Irish community and area um, and that one I'd be able to continue playing two they paid for your master's at an Irish university which was really important to me because I've always just had a love and curiosity for learning so I definitely wanted to like further my education and then you were also able like there was a ton of like coaching and community service involved it was all about giving back and like giving back to the country of Ireland giving back to the communities and trying to like raise young kids aspirations in a much smaller environment, you know, than we might have over here in the US. So I mean, it really just kind of like <laughs> hit every nerve of what I wanted and what I wanted out of myself at that time. So I immediately like emailed the woman that was in charge of it. Um, unfortunately, at that point, I think it was like, yeah, so that was right before I accepted the Colby job, I think. Um, the applications that closed for that year, and they already selected them. So I was really bummed but I was at the same time like I said excited about the Colby job um and loved my time there but I think like halfway through that year I just knew once April came around I was going to apply again for the victory scholar thing um so I did and it was one of those things where you just like have such a gut feeling and I know you feel like this too Adrian when it's just like your gut and intuition is just telling you that something's going to kind of manifest and that's how I felt about that experience. Like I, I felt good throughout all the interviews and applications. And then I remember being in Colby or at my apartment in Colby and getting like the notification that I had been accepted. And I just like sat there and cried for like 10 minutes. I was just like, this is the start of something really good. And I just, I was so happy. So the universe. It was hard. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was so the universe. So I, and I mean, especially in Ireland. So like, have have you been just like adopted as one of one of one of their own in Ireland? You know, <laughs> you're like clearly a badass out there. Uh, are you like what's the what's the community vibe with you on the team? Yeah, I mean the one thing about Ireland is like it is like it's, it's just such a community, and that's that's the familiarity that the part I love that you know I got from Bowdoin too, and from my home where I come from is just that sense of community, like. If you can, I'm sure you can imagine it's it's a small island, and so it's already small enough. Like everyone knows people in like across the country. You can drive the whole country in like five to six hours. Um, but then within the basketball community, it's like even smaller, um, especially because it's not like a. It's definitely a big growing sport in Ireland, but it's not like the premier sport. You know, like Gaelic football and 
rugby would be more popular. So the basketball community is so tight knit and close as well. Um, but it is like an everyone knows everyone thing, but they just like take you in like they're your own right away. Like the people on my team from the moment, like you arrive in this country, like they're automatically like whatever you need, you know, come in for a cup of tea, come over for food. We'll drive you here. And like, it's not like pretty or perfect. Like it's really gritty and like rough and some, like, I don't know if those are the words to describe it, but like, gritty. it's just, they just make things, you know, they just make things happen and they're so hospitable and welcoming and kind. I think it's like what makes the country so great aside from like how beautiful it is and that natural beauty. I think the, the people here are just really, really good people. And Wait, that's you, what uh, attracts me. Have you picked up an Irish accent yet? <laughs> No, I do pick up sayings, like definitely sayings for sure. Let's hear um, them. Uh, I mean, all the words are different here. Like the trunk of the car is called the boot and like your uniform is like your kit and your sneakers are your boots. And like, they don't say practice, they say training. And it's so different region to region too. Like Cork, they say like, I'm from Cork, bye. Like, and they'll be like, oh yeah, so you are. It's very sing-songy and then like, Keelan, my boyfriend's from up north, so he'll be like, <laughs> I don't even know how to do it. Let's hear it. Uh, he'll just be like, fuck's sake, Shannon, like, what is up in your head? <laughs> <laughs> he'll be like, what do you like? Like, what do you like? All the time, just look at me. I'm like, oh, my, my ears. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was really good. That was, like, that, that was, was a great... Irish accent and in fact I know that you're a master impressionist Shannon and I feel oh. like at some point before the show is over if we don't get the Boston soccer mom conversation going <laughs> okay so you're kicking butt on your team in Ireland uh you've, you've been adopted as one of their own like did you always know that was going to be your path you know to uh professional basketball like when you were growing up let's go way back Shannon to when you were a wee a wee lass is that the right phrase? oh my gosh like did you know like were you always a badass as an athlete or did you grow into it and like what was that journey like uh I mean Adrian knows this too like I definitely was not like one of the people who was like oh I'm gonna play college basketball I'm so good at basketball I'm gonna go like I didn't even realize I wanted to play college basketball until like sophomore, junior year of high school, I'd say. I just didn't think, I didn't know that I was good enough. I definitely knew how hard I worked and like, I knew I had potential because, you know, people put a lot of confidence in me and a lot of people believed in me, but I was not someone who was like overly cocky or confident in myself at all. I kind of would rather have just not stated it and just, you know, work towards it on my own and then see what happened. But I think once I decided to play in college, um, like it just became very apparent that the more that I committed to it and kind of would say it out loud and believe in it, like I did grow and grow and grow. I think I didn't even realize my full potential until, you know, I got to a place like Bowdoin and, you know, other people kind of like Adrian spoke it into existence and, you know, supported me so much to actually reach my full potential but when I was in high school I started out I think freshman year I I remember like Kelly Martin and Megan Otto my two best friends at the time they made varsity like right away 
and I made JV and I was so unhappy. <laughs> Not, I just, I, I didn't even know if I was good enough for varsity, but I was like competitive with myself more so than with other people. And I think I started on the bench, like the first game of JV and I was just like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like, I was like, I know I'm better than this. And, um, and then I ended up starting on JV and I got better. I just like, my goal that year was to just prove myself and get moved to varsity. And I was a, a swing player for a few, a few, a lot of games, which would like, I would play half of JV and then go sit in the varsity bench. But by the end of freshman year, freshman year, I had gotten moved to varsity and I was starting on varsity. So I went from like bench JV to starting on varsity, which, and to be, to give credit to like, you know, Brian Buckley, who was my coach at the time, like he kind of had the same viewpoint. He didn't care what grade you were, what year you were, whatever. Like if you were good, you were going to play. So as soon as I got up to varsity, like he gave me the opportunities and all I had to do was take them and, you know, kind of run with them at that point. Um, and so I'm really grateful. I know a lot of people don't get that experience where they have coaches who will just like give them the actual opportunity and that kind of really stifles their confidence early, but he definitely did. And from that point on, we really, we had a great varsity team. Like we went the farthest in situate girls basketball history. Um, we played at the garden my senior year. I know Adrian is at that game and we just had like an amazing, amazing team, but like it definitely well, I was I was a kid who like I needed people to to kind of believe in me before I could believe in myself. So I think then when I went to Bowdoin, it was the same thing with Adrian. Like, you know, I remember having conversations my freshman year where she was like, I'm gonna start you and like just know that this is because you've earned it, blah, blah, blah. And and just having that confidence instilled in you, I think for any kid is huge. Like it's for me it was essential and I really needed it to kind of realize my full potential and and then through Bowdoin like I said like I, I still don't I don't know I think it's kind of frustrating as a player because I just feel like even when it came to my senior year I was like God, I just still feel like I could grow so much more I just want to keep going and that's why that's the same way I felt at the end of high school and same way I felt at the end of college was like I just I just want more and I don't think I ever knew it or planned it before but I just never like I try to never have a fixed mindset of like this is my cap is my like limit it was always just like let's just keep keep working keep trying to get better so I did I guess I didn't know that that story of your freshman year Shan that was really cool to hear um and I feel like that's a similar story not quite um it's actually even a little more dramatic and that I didn't make varsity till junior year but I also started later all my friends were on varsity and um yeah and that sort of need, there are two elements in there, like the need or the desire to prove yourself, but also having someone, for me, it was my JV coach who I, I just, from his words and his actions, I knew he believed in me and that belief helped elevate me. But also I had this kind of inner drive to prove to others and prove to myself that I could do it. And um, I don't know, do you feel like that sort of defined your life, like that inner inner drive and where where does that come from do you think yeah I definitely think it does like I think there is a little bit of like proving to others for sure I'm not gonna sit here and be like oh yeah I'm not so like you know pure and humble it's just about me like obviously that validation or proving it to other people is important but I think at the core it's I really hold myself to a super high standard just because I do I just I think that 
my potential is like what I make it, you know, I think a lot of people just put put a certain like boundary or limit themselves with their mindset. And so I definitely have a growth mindset of that, like truly just, <laughs> I think it kind of goes with, it's kind of one of my biggest fears too, in a way is like not meeting my full potential or, you know, not doing everything I can to like leave as much of a mark on this world as with like who I am as a person that I can. So it, it is a bit fear driven, which is like, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just, it's part of what drives me is just, is just always wanting to to grow and be better and, and reach my full potential. But I don't really know where it came from. I think, I mean, like I do know part of it, like my parents are, are really amazing and they always had that mindset. Like my dad was totally that motivator for me as well. It's like, he always said like, you know, 90% of your play is going to come down to confidence. Like that was his biggest thing. And I think he could tell that that was what was missing was like, you could be the best player in the world, but if you don't have confidence, like it's just, it's not going to work out. Um, because I was never the most skilled. Like I wasn't going to be crossing someone up. Like I didn't have these ball handling skills. And I was naturally athletic. I come from an athletic family. Like my dad played college football. Both of my brothers are really athletic. You know, um, my mom is too. <laughs> don't leave her out. Um, but I had the athleticism and I had the work ethic. Like my parents instilled a really fierce work ethic in us. Like, I remember being young and like being on vacation in Florida one time and like my dad asked me and my brother to go for a run and I think my my friend like had come with us on vacation and we went for a run it was like 95 degrees out in Florida and me and my brother like dad, my dad took us in this run and me and my brother were about to like pass out and my dad we're on like the last leg and he just like shoots by us and is like like if you guys don't beat me like this is going to be embarrassing for you guys and we were like <laughs> There was always this like competitiveness and just like work ethic in our family, but it was really like a healthy one. It was totally from like a humble place. Um, my parents are both like very hardworking, but always humble, which I always admired. So I think they definitely instilled that in us from a young age. Um, I always had the work ethic and the, a bit of athleticism, but like I knew and my dad always said it was the confidence that that would need to need to carry me forward so you also had this confidence in creating your signature one-handed free throw shannon <laughs> when did that come into play <laughs> one-handed free throw one-handed hook i mean I, I i got through college basketball with a right hand really <laughs> didn't matter um, and you didn't you didn't need that other hand turns out <laughs> you had a tie behind your back <laughs> You'd be happy to know that my coach here, like, still still gets on me about the left hand. It actually, it's gotten a little better. Something you mentioned to switch gears a little bit in terms of, you know, you talk a lot about um, reaching your full potential or, like, you know, thinking there's even more out there. Seems that you are continuing on that path because I, we wanted to talk to you a bit more about your uh your fitness your personal fitness brand shannon which you've kicked off and Avery uh, fit. fit are crushing so i get i mean like one of the questions we wanted to ask is like how like wh how did this come up what was the origin story of that why did you decide to do it oh i mean i guess like it's definitely something like i'd be lying if i said i haven't thought of it before like 
I think I've always just like looked for a way that I can empower people and like use what I have to offer to make people's lives better and to to make them feel empowered and, and valued and seen. And I, I feel like I've always been searching that and searching for that um, in different ways. And whether it's looking for the right job to do that, like I think the obvious one at first was kind of like coaching and I was around strength and conditioning coaches and basketball. Like it's always been in the athletic sphere and the health and wellness sphere. Um, and then coming over here to Ireland, it was kind of the same. And, you know, I ended up getting a, a great job at Dell, which like is a side note, but I, I really love my job right now. But I also realized like I had this whole other part of me that I just wasn't being shown or wasn't being utilized as much as I wanted it to be. And, um, and I think like a lot of that was just me not knowing how to do it. Like I was kind of like, look, I'm to be realistic. I have a lot of student loans. I have a lot of students that I can't really afford to like be that entrepreneur that just quits their job and starts up their own business and hopes it works out as much as I thought, like idealistically, that's what I maybe wanted to do. I was like, I'm also really happy right now. Like I, I, I tried not to ignore that. Like, you know, I actually was just really happy in my situation in Ireland, like with my boyfriend, like working a good job with a manager who really believed in me and gaining a ton of business experience. So it didn't feel like, okay, I'm going to just throw that away and try to be this, this entrepreneur person. I was like, I think there's another way to do that. I don't think I need to be so like, there's one dimension and this is the only route I can go. So I thought like, okay, what, what are small things that I can do to try to kind of show these sides in here and work towards what I envision more. And I mean, it seemed like the logical thing at that point, like was just to start sharing what I had to offer. Cause a lot of people just didn't know this part of me. They knew me as an athlete and, you know, obviously I'd come over to Ireland as like a basketball player and whatnot, but I, I, I don't think it was just about basketball for me. I think it was this larger piece of kind of refusing to shrink like this empowerment aspect for women that I had written about before, but it was just learning to come into your body in different ways, like through movements, through eating, through these acts of like self-love and acceptance that had just really guided me into the person I am today. And it was kind of like a long and windy journey. And I just feel like I wanted to, to share that with people because I feel like a lot of girls feel the same way and, you know, are constantly trying to find themselves and, and athletics and movement and like, you know, working out, fitness, health and wellness, all those things are what helped me get to that point. So I just really wanted to share that with people. I felt like that was kind of like my calling in a lot of aspects of life. So we were just in quarantine at that point. And, you know, we were working from home and I was like, this is a great time to just start sharing my workouts. I was working out every day and in Keelan's home gym. And so I didn't have to worry about like filming in a public gym. And I just honestly just started sharing workouts I was doing, food I was cooking, and I didn't have any expectations for it. It wasn't like, I guess that's me in life in general. I wasn't like, this is where I expect it to be, or I need it to be like this, you know, to be successful. I just thought, let's just see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love your platform. And, and I, I love that it is about empowerment and self-acceptance. And it's, for those that haven't seen your your platform, it there are great workouts that you can go to. I mean, I've shared your Instagram account with so many young <laughs> athletes, high school, college, on this time of quarantine when people don't have access to gyms. Like you just mm -hmm. provide so many great 
um, workouts on your site, but also, um, like you said, you have, you talk a lot about food, about body image. And I guess I want to start with the, the food, like what, can you kind of just track your relationship with food over time and how it's grown and evolved and, and, and talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like, yeah, the workouts, I share so many workouts because it's something that's so natural to me. You know, I, I like to move every day. It just makes me feel like me and grounded. So I share my workouts so easily, but I think what I, what I'm more proud of and I want to share more is those things like relationship with food, relationship with yourself and like self growth, because that's really like the core of it. The mental aspects, just like in basketball or anything in life is, is way much more of a hurdle than the physical aspect in a lot of ways. So um, like food wise, like from a young age, like I'm very fortunate. I grew up in like, you know, this is another thing where like privilege and just where you're born comes into play. But like, I, you know, I grew up in a family, like I said, of athletes, like my mom always, you know, had time. We had access to good food. She didn't make home cooked meals. Like we ate good whole foods. We didn't eat perfectly. You know, we ate the chips and soda and stuff here and there, but in general, like we, we ate well. Um, and there was always like, you know, protein and I just like a well-balanced kind of diet for an athlete going on in our household. I'm very grateful for that. And then when I was in middle school, I ended up like, I lost so much weight and I was so sick. I could barely like finish days of school. I would go home like midday and just take the day off. And I was missing, missing so much school because whenever I ate, I just had horrible digestion issues. I couldn't keep any food down. Um, and I just didn't know what was going on. It, it made me so insecure because when I was at a party or at the lunch table, I just knew if I ate, I would get, if I got sick right away, like I'd have to leave school. So I was really hesitant to eat um, and very hyper aware of it. And I ended up getting tested. Um, I went to Children's Hospital in Boston and got a ton of like kind of gastroenterologist testing done. I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> um, tons of tests like for glucose sensitivity, dairy, and they ended up being like, look, we're, I think I went on a diet. I was going on so many different elimination diets, which I think become a fad nowadays, but they are the best way medically, I think, to figure out if you have a strong like sensitivity to something. So I went off gluten for like two weeks and like my mom was like, oh my God, like I've never seen her. Like she's so much better. She's so happy. She's not feeling sick. Um, and I think like I would have to, would have had to go back on gluten for like, another month to get the full test to be diagnosed with celiac disease. My mom was like, at this point in time, like, I just want my daughter to be like finishing school and like feel good right now. So we're not going to put her back on gluten, but we're pretty sure it's this. So I think that was my first experience with food. And I'm really grateful for it now because I realized at that point, like food really is like a medicine for your body and it can either like help you so much or it can hurt you so much. And it, and I'm really grateful that I had that at a young age because all at that point, all I wanted to do was feel good and like finish school and be able to go to like social outings. It wasn't about like, okay, how can I be like so small or lose weight or, you know, get in shape. That wasn't shaping my mind at that point. It was just like, how can I feel good and like feel my best? And so that was kind of the framework I originally had. And I learned to experiment at a really young age because of it too. Like what's best for me might not be best for someone else, but you know, at the end of the day, this is my health. Like, I just want to, like I said, feel good. So from there, I guess, you know, I started to gain weight. I had a, a better relationship with food, but then you go into like your high school years and you're kind of like in that phase where girls were starting to really 
just watch what they were eating, I realized like, okay, people no longer ate big lunches in the cafeteria. And there was just this kind of introduction of diet culture. Um, so I definitely started to have like a super would like, okay, should I restrict my eating more during the school day? And then I'd come home from school and like feel like I wanted to eat every snack in my cabinet. I think a lot of girls go through that at some point in time, like more more often than not, which is unfortunate. Um, it's just a really pervasive aspect of our culture of this, like, okay, how can I, you know, look like I'm eating or be cool enough to be able to eat, but also like not gain any weight from it. Or when you're around boys, there was definitely this feeling of like, girl, like I never wanted to eat around guys when I was in high school, you know, like you're, if like you're, the mom comes in and off for snacks and you're with a group of guys, it was just like, oh, no, 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 like it's fine. It was super anxiety ridden. Um, I don't really, you know, that was just a society thing, I think, because it did cause me a lot of anxiety at that point in time. And then I don't think it was until I got into college again, where I was like, okay, I'm a collegiate athlete now. And I got, I really fell in love with learning how to like fuel my body correctly because I went through a lot of phases of how am I going to, how can I look a certain way? How can I do this? And then I think once I got into college and we had, you know, a strength and conditioning coach and we had this cafeteria and we had nutritional advice and like we were working out so much. I was like, this is no longer for me about looking a certain way. I just, I want to perform my best. I want to feel my best. And I want to have a healthy relationship with myself because I think the mindset that people have towards food reflects in a lot of different areas of life. I was like, I don't want to be like constantly in this cycle of, restriction guilt and punishment like I think food should be like a place of like gathering and shared experience and just ab about more things than that so it's it's evolved I'll say the relationship has evolved and it's still evolving all the time but that's the gist of it <clears throat> god my voice is terrible today thanks all the coffee <laughs> I'm such a terrible podcast host I'm clearing my throat all the time <laughs> uh well I, I see all these po I mean, first of all, like your 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 dexterity with the Instagram is uh, is beyond my capability, Shannon. Like posting all these stories. In fact, I was doing trying to post a story the other day, and I was having so all I literally wanted to do was like one little text box, and I couldn't fucking do it. And Elsa was there, and she's like, "What? Just let me do it." I'm like, "No, no, I'm gonna get this." And she's like, "You are so terrible at Instagram stories, but I don't know how you do it. It's amazing." But I also uh, love watching them. I love watching those videos and you're like, you're so creative with them. But something oh. that, some, well, actually one thing that really was, um, I kind of resonated with me was you had a couple of posts around time. Like you post all this great, you know, these great workouts and like the sort of fruits of your labor. But then there was one post when you were like, well, some days, you know, you feel great and you look great. And other days, like you feel like shit and you're bloated and, you know, and <laughs> it's fine to be that way. And, and I feel yeah. like, you're, like you're comfortable kind of posting the reality of being a human and uh, there, and not only sort of feeling physically off from time to time, but also having those sort of ups and downs mentally too. So could you talk a little bit about like, your process for letting folks into that part of who you are? Yeah, I think that's like, I, that hits the nail on the head, honestly, I feel. Thank you for that comment, because I do think that that's one of my like strengths and weaknesses. I'm really into like 
Enneagrams and like just whatever you can like do to learn more about yourself and your tendencies and whatnot. And I do think one of my biggest, one of my strengths I've learned is just like leaving space for people to feel and like being able to, like I am someone who really has, like I feel very deeply and I'm not afraid to feel like, you know, every emotion on the spectrum. Um, and I think in times previously, I would have felt a bit like, not embarrassed, but a bit ashamed for that. Cause I just felt like I didn't really know how to control them. Like sometimes I would just feel something and act on it or I'd be so down and then so up. And like, I was just kind of like, do other people feel this way or is this just me? You know, I'm not like, I can't act surface level. I can't fake it when I feel a certain way. Like I'm kind of either in or out. And um, so, yeah, I guess like I've always just felt really deeply and I've always appreciated when other people feel that too. And I guess when I thought of like, who I watched or, you know, if I watch people's stories on Instagram, what really resonated with me, like, it was never like the perfectly polished ones. It was always when people were just speaking super candidly or like not afraid to just show the reality of their life and, you know, to show how they're feeling in that exact moment. I think that vulnerability and like just authenticity is really attractive to me and it's what I admire in other people. Um, and it's also what I admire in myself. So I was like, there's no point in trying to like hide this or share this. Like it very well is my suit. Like it might be my superpower, you know, that, that ability to feel and to allow other people to feel. Um, and it's funny. Cause like, I, I do have a, like a, a back and forth relationship with it. And like, I, I love podcasts, but I love yours and I listen to them all day long. They're like my favorite thing. I just think there's such an easy way to like gain insight and information, but there was one, I think it was Tim Ferriss's podcast, but he had um, a quote that was like, oftentimes your superpower is like right next to your biggest wound or your weaknesses, which I thought was so interesting because I kind of has always felt that way about my emotions. Um, like sometimes, or especially when I was younger, I was like, I just, I feel like they're a bit, like I, I, they kind of pull me and I go and I don't know how to control them or harness them as much as I want to. And I was always just afraid of then numbing them and not showing them because I was like, but I, because I feel like that's my superpower also, like being able to feel things and letting other people feel things and letting other pe people feel comfortable and never feeling judged for like what they're going through. Just letting people know that they're valid and like they're valued always. Um, so I think just learning how to one, not let the emotions take control over me and learn that they're okay. It's part of the human experience. And then, to um like not trying to numb them so like using it you know knowing that it can be a weakness and a, and a strength based on how i choose to approach them um so i think the more i kind of got comfortable sharing that like on stories on instagram it just kind of flowed naturally and and like i would feel really cringy sometimes i'd be like i'm sharing too much you know or i just talked to the camera for like 30 seconds and Oh, like nobody wants to know that or like nobody's gonna feel that and then I would get like a message or two from a girl being like wow this is just like thank you so much for sharing this like I really needed to hear this today or something and like even if that was just one person you know and like I don't have a huge following like I just I started this but I'm like if it's one person or two people like that's enough for me like I really just I think when someone else feels seen or or heard it's that's enough for me. Please like you're following really after the show, Shannon. <laughs> 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 skyrocket. That's gonna be insane. 
Another thing you talk a lot about on your platform is um, your morning routine. I mean, can you talk to me about the importance of your morning routine? You and I nerd out about this all the time, but, and just in general, like, why do you think it's important that you create like those daily habits for yourself and, and what habits are important to you specifically in, in connecting to your authentic self? Yes, this is great. I do. I nerd out so much about routines. <laughs> um, one, I think the biggest thing is that I am not a structured person. I am such an unorganized person by nature. Like that, that's my personality really is like, and it was a joke about my, amongst my friend group in high school, because people would be so organized or like, just, you know, on time and could do it all. And I'm like a messy person. Like I'm a feeler. Like I just go with my flow, go with my gut. Um, but I don't get anything done that way. And, and realistically, I don't accomplish like what I want to achieve. And I don't think I can reach my full potential with that way. So like one of, one of the things I did learn through my like Enneagram tests and kind of tendency personality tests was that like, for someone like me, I need structure and routine to like thrive and succeed. So I was like, okay, like I need to set these boundaries for myself so I can actually like accomplish what I want to. And like, it's not all, because it would definitely did not come naturally to me. So I think some people like will comment like, oh, you're so disciplined or you have such great routine. You're so organized. And I'm like, like I had to put those boundaries in place for myself because otherwise I would just be this like floating, aloof, emotional, like going with the flow. Um, so it's totally been put in place on purpose. Um, but also like, I think part of the routine too has definitely come up more so in quarantine because I've had more time for it. Um, but it's definitely come up as a way to like make the most of every day. Like I just didn't want to be someone who woke up and like, you know, rolled over and logged on to work and was just in zombie, like in this mode all day. I wanted to be really more present and like grounded in who I was and to decide like, like decide you know who I want to be each day like what I want to do and just become more in touch with myself and and like I said make the most of each day because I think if you just like look at a day like okay you're gonna work you're gonna work out you're gonna do this you're gonna go to bed you're gonna wake up like it gets really like mechanical and mundane way of thinking about your life whereas like if you have these things that you can add in each day that make it make you able to savor every moment like I wake up I I will like wake up, have my, usually drink one or two glasses of water, which is something that is, I've become a stickler about because I used to be really bad at hydrating. Um, and then I'll either, it's kind of changed over the past few months. Um, I started meditating a lot more this past month, just like for five or 10 minutes using Headspace, um, just as a way to really like feel and ground myself before I go into like action mode and like to-do list mode. Cause I am someone who really needs to like have stillness in my life as well. Like I can't just have this go, go, go mentality. Um, and I always, I always do my gratitude journal every morning. I, that's something I started more this year. Um, and I think it does relate to, like, I don't mind this, you know, being in here too, because I think it's a big part of it. Like when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and I wasn't home, able to be home and be there for it, um, it really did like just it put my life in perspective in, in a moment and I think everyone who has experienced anything like that which is most people understand that you know um, it's just you just realize like how fragile life is and it's like 
you know, no moment is given or no day is guaranteed. So like make the most of everyone. And that's something that my dad's mentality has always been, but he also, it became much more like that too after his diagnosis. And he, he said it to me, he would said over the phone, like, I just had this like really abundant mindset where I just enjoy the little things in life, like driving to work or going on a walk with your mom or little things that I just took for granted for so long. Cause we all get into this like mill in society where we're just going, 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 and you don't look up or take a moment to breathe. And now I just, I really feel like I fully appreciate those things again. It's kind of been like a renaissance for my, for my mind and like my quality of life. And that just inspired me so much. I, I felt that like through my bones. I was like, you're so right. Like, and I think I've always had that. Like I've always been a very grateful person and really savored each moment and like appreciated the beauty of life and like what it has to offer. But that definitely like refreshed it. And it was like, okay, like waking up, you know, having my water, grounding myself in like a meditation, being able to write down three to five things I'm grateful for. Um, there's a few other things in my journal that are like, you know, what do I accept today or what I want to come out of today? Just like, and then I might journal some pages as well, just like with things I'm feeling um, and doing all that. And then like making my cup of coffee, like really romanticizing the little things so that you're just appreciating all these little moments of the day before you can get to like the start of your day or whatever. Um, doing those kind of things like in the morning and then you know, maybe getting out for a walk midday and then having your nighttime routine. Like, I don't know, it, it definitely just, it makes you get the most out of, out of your day, I think. So that's where I came from. I love it. <laughs> quick, quick question. Have you read um, The Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo? Do you know of that book? Was it The Book of Awakening? Yeah. No. Okay. Kirk and I are going to, I want, no, I want you to text me your address. I'm going to, get you that book for doing this podcast for us because it's oh my god because I love um I know this doesn't have to be part of the of course it is (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I love how um as part of your platform I saw as part of your routine like you were you often have a book that you just refer to with a quote or a thought or a message and uh one of the podcasts I was listening to with Melinda Gates she she um she spoke of this book as one of her all-time favorite books. So I was like, I happened to see that Goodwill the next day. I was like, universe, you are so crazy that this just happened. And I got it and it's, it's fantastic. It's just like a thought for each day. So I think you'll really like it. So I'm going to, we're going to send that to you, Shan. Oh my God. I would love that. I do. I'm, what did I, I'm reading right now. I'm reading Jay Shetty's book. It's called. Oh, yeah. I know Jay Shetty. I, monk, right? Yeah. I think like a monk. That's what it's called. Like yeah. Monk. Oh, I'm writing that um, book. Yeah, so that's what kind of like my goal for this month was to be more mindful with like meditation. So I kind of chose the book to inspire me and get me on that path a bit more. So I'm working my way through it, but I really, I really like it so far. Um, cool. Um, I'm excited. Adrian, what else, what else you want to ask Shan? I have so much here. Um, <laughs> I love these well, questions. <laughs> well, Kirk talked a little bit about um just how talented you are with the social media i mean you're so talented your platform is just amazing and your creative like your creativity really your creativity and your authenticity really shine through on your platform which is so cool but talk about your relationship with social media with um being so connected to your device like 
Mm. like where is the line like I find I really struggle with that like knowing where the line is and I've you know put a a filter on my phone where like it yells at me if I get to a certain like if I get to one hour on social media it starts to bark at me um Mm -hmm. and I find myself going over that line so many just mindlessly scrolling and 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 also just feeling this need to like I gotta I've got a, you know, Megan's always getting on me about, you never tweet, like you, you, you have your platform and you don't use it, you know, efficiently. And so I don't know, can you, like, how do you struggle with that line? Like I do, or. And also to add on to that, how you create as someone with very large hands. (laughs) What are you talking about? Like, this is my problem. I can't, like, I, I'm just not that dexterous. I have a pop socket on my phone now that helps me hold on. <laughs> uh, but I understand your struggle, Kirk. No, oh my God, I struggle with it so much, and it's like that's totally something that's just been on my mind more and more is how I navigate that relationship with myself and social media. Like, I think since starting it, the good thing for me is like when I'm sharing it, it doesn't feel as much like like one when I'm just scrolling through Instagram, which I do all the time too, and consuming consuming content. I do, I need to set boundaries for myself on that because I don't think it does any, it doesn't nourish me in any real way. Like if I'm following people that, you know, I really love and I appreciate their messages and like those people I want to see, like that does something for me, obviously being away from home, like, you know, being able to follow my friends and family and influencers who I actually really value. And I'm like, this adds value to my life, but all of the other nonsense, I need to get better at one, like unfollowing those and filtering it out because I think just consuming a lot of that like negative toxic energy during the day totally like just affects my energy and affects how I'm feeling I'm very sensitive to that like I am like an overly sensitive person sometimes and like I can take things like personally that like like, someone posts like someone might post something and it's obviously not about me but if it hits like a a hard point in me, I'm like, oh, that just like put me in a bad mood seeing that, you know, or like made me think about something like I'm lacking or not doing. And I need to get better at that. It's, it's something that's like, you know, I'm overly sensitive to that stuff and I'm aware of it. So it's definitely something I'm working on reducing like content I'm just consuming and having more time where I'm just authentically trying to be like, okay, what do I want to share? What do I want to provide? Because when I'm sharing stuff on my phone, like if I'm, you know, forming a post or like doing a story, I don't, that's not, that's a different energy for me because I'm actually giving like something that's just I'm creating and that's hopefully like authentic to me and I'm feeling in the moment. Whereas if I'm just consuming, 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 I'm like, I actually come further away from my authentic self, you know, like you can do a lot of comparison and you can take ideas from what other people are doing and you can just get in this really like bad trap of not even knowing what, like forgetting what it is that you wanted to, to accomplish or share. So, um, and there's a lot of podcasts I listen to that talk about that too, the, the importance of, you know, having days or hours or weeks or months where you just delete social media for a little while. So you can just focus on actually creating and like, you know, being yourself and, thinking what's authentic to you because sometimes I'm like you can really lose it so quickly like what yeah like what is it that you want to share not like what you're taking from other people or projecting that you've seen or something so I find to like keep the creativity and the authenticity I do have to like 
And sometimes I feel bad for it. Like if I'm like, oh, I haven't even like storied and like, like I think consistency is key, which is the hard part of social media. Like you said, Kirk, like I try to at least post something every day, like be on my story, just be like, be there, like keep showing up. Like I say that a lot, but just show up every day in some way. Um, but I'm trying to be a lot more gentle and like just not apologize if I need to like not be on social media for a day or two because it really, um, I'm really sensitive to it. And it can really like, I need like nourishing like human interactions and to be out in nature and to not be on my phone to really feel at my best. So um, I try to do 30 minutes in the morning, not looking at my phone. Sometimes I'll like take a picture of my coffee or the book and then just put my phone away and post it later. Cause I do like documenting my morning routine, but I don't like to look at my phone right away. Um, so I try not to engage on like any social media for at least 30 to like an hour first thing in the morning. And then before bed, like 30 minutes before bed too, I try to just, I, I plug my phone in like away from my bed. I don't use my phone like before bed, like what before I'm going to sleep. Cause I could, I mean, we all could just sit in bed and scroll for hours. So I just plug it in like on the opposite shelf and leave it over there. Um, and then I just read my book before I fall asleep because otherwise I'm wired. Um, and then just moments through the day, like I try not to take it on walks. Like if I'm out in nature, I really want to like connect and ground in nature. So I try not to take it on walks. Sometimes I do, but if I do, I leave it in my pocket. Um, like I might take a picture of something. Like I do love taking pictures and documenting things, but I, I try not to post in the moment. If I do, I'll just take the picture and then put my phone away and post it later. And then during workouts, like I have my phone to video and, you know, I'm never on it. That's kind of my time to disconnect too. So I definitely just need to block out spaces where I'm disconnected because otherwise it can be super draining. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. So, well, for me. Um, well, I just want to pause. You do? Well, I want to go back to, to this. There was a miss, there was a, there was a clarification I need to make because I feel like when I said, um, how can one be creative with large hands that you <laughs> misinterpreted and, and the fact that I was insinuating that Shannon had large hands. I was actually talking about myself. I do. Large <laughs> I have large hands. Can you just clear the air on that? Yeah, okay. okay My hands are large as well. Don't worry, Kirk. Back to Mine too, though. <laughs> They're not dainty. <laughs> um, just raising two, two daughters, you know, and our, our daughters are 18 and 16. I don't know. I just... Um, I love on your platform how you deal a lot with self-love and self-acceptance. And so what I heard you just say was um, one of the tools to, to, to get there um, is to find some stillness or some ways to connect with your authentic self. But, you know, what other advice do you have for young girls and women or anyone who are dealing with I think so many of us struggle with self-acceptance and like, you know, do you have any deep thoughts on, on how to get there? <laughs> oh, I know. It's such a loaded question. Um, I don't know. I want to say like, I think I struggled with it for a while and I think it was because I didn't give myself space, like you said, to really figure out like, who I was. I was just always trying to be who someone else wanted to be. And I figured that through being in a lot of relationships, I think, through like, you know, I had 
a few relationships in college where I feel like I just lost my sense of self a lot. And I really was just, and it happens for a lot of girls too who are in the same situation, like whether you're in a small area or, you know, they get into relationships and you just, you're just projecting what you hope that other people, like what you want other people to see you as, or what you think other people expect of you. And there's just, I think the expectation and the fear of like not being enough and not living up to what I should be really just weighed on me a lot when I was younger and it weighed on me in relationships. And I was just, I was people pleasing a lot. And I think, you know, like not to go into, but then once I did get in, I think after junior year of college, I got out of a relationship and I had been in relationships like since with other people for a few years, like since high school nearly. And I had never like stopped to really evaluate like where I was in my life or like who I was, you know, it was just, I think I've always had a sense of self. I don't think it was ever like, oh, I was just waving in the wind, you know, in any direction. I've always had a sense of self, but those are really formative years when like you should be exploring yourself more and like figuring out who you are. And I just felt like I had lost that. Um, I had lost a bit of that for sure. And that kind of went hand in hand with the whole going to Ireland thing and doing sport changes life. It wasn't to run away, which I worried that people would feel like that. Like I was, you know, wasn't grateful for all I had here. Cause that's something that really hurts me. Not hurts me, but like harps on me a lot is like, I have such an amazing family and friends and, you know, mentors and people at home. Um, it always felt like I was leaving them behind or like I wasn't grateful for what they had given me, but it was actually quite the opposite. I was, I was so grateful. And I just, I knew that I needed to, to go far away into a place of discomfort to really figure out like who I was again and like what I had to offer without being around anyone who I felt like, oh, these people already know me. They're going to judge me or they're going to think I'm acting different. Like I wanted to just be in a place of discomfort. Like I didn't want to be comfortable anymore. I think that's the biggest thing, like self-growth and like learning to accept yourself and all of these things. Like they take a lot of discomfort. Like there were so many discomfort, like uncomfortable years, like coming over to Ireland, like being on my own for like the first time in years, like those three to four years, I guess, you know, I was just on my own. And I, I can't stress enough how important it is to just be on your own and have no one to kind of lean on sometimes just to find yourself. I really think it was so necessary for me. And, you know, I, I did like, I'm in a relationship with someone who I really love now. Keelan is in the other room. He's, he's amazing. But the best thing about our relationship is that we're so independent and we're so our own people. And I never had that in past relationships. I was like reflecting off the other person constantly. And it's quite the opposite now. I'm so comfortable in who I am that like, I don't need Keelan. We like, we don't need each other. Like we're not dependent on each other, but we love each other and we, and we respect each other's space and we love each other for exactly who we are. And, you know, I don't mean to make this about relationships, but I think it's a huge part of it because it's a huge part of people's life and you can very easily like lose yourself in, in those relationships. And it's definitely where I lost myself. So I think, just taking time to get to know yourself again, to do things that excite you. Like, you know, whether that was for me, like traveling, seeing the world was so exciting, like getting to meet all these new people who opened up my mind to new things, like coming over here and getting to appreciate new aspects of life and putting myself outside of my comfort zone constantly um, just really made me feel like at home in myself again and kind of 
like re-falling in love with who you are as a person. Um, and it's like I said, it's never ending. It's such a process. But I think the true testament of that now is being able to be in a relationship where you're just like your complete self. Um, and no matter what you do, like every person's evolving, like you grow and change in every phase of your life. But just having that respect and knowledge that like whatever you're doing is is who you are. I think I think that's the best thing. I just think just just knowing I think if you're just being true to yourself, like you can't you can't go wrong. I think the biggest thing is just for me and I know like I don't know if you've read Glennon Doyle's books too. Yeah, like that's what I love most about her is just like the last thing you want to do is like disappoint yourself. I think you grow up trying not to disappoint other people so much and at some point there's just this breaking point and you're just like I've been trying to please other people for so long. I just, I want to make myself proud. I don't want to keep lying to myself. I just want to like sit in my truth. And that just resonates with me so much. So I think that's what I always come back to is just, is just finding, you know, my own truth. Shan, that was brilliant. That brought tears to my eyes. Like, <laughs> I, mean, no, I didn't mean to go down like, oh, no, I, I just feel like uh, that's, there it was is messy. Yeah. So much wisdom in that, in that answer. <laughs> that was awesome. And also yeah. just to hear, I don't know, just, I'm so happy um, that you found Keelan over there and that you yeah. love. <laughs> I know he should, he should have made a guest cameo in here and said hi, but. Um... Don't talk to him late at night. <laughs> um, two quick questions to wrap it up, Shannon. Yes. All right. Bring it full circle. What's your biggest fear? Oh, my biggest fear. Um, I feel I knew you would ask this, Kirk. I should have like thought more in depth about this because I'm like, he's gonna ask me some of these deep questions. Um, well, according to the quote you referenced the other day, which I that one jumped out at me too from the podcast you shared with me with the, the Jerry Hussey podcast. Yes, the, uh, yeah. fear as the absence of love. That was like mind blown. Like I, I thought oh. about that. That. I don't know. I just think it's very true. Adrian just bailed you out. <laughs> no, it's so true. And that is the fear is the absence of love, which it, it is so true for me too. Cause like when I think of my life, it's everything I want to do. I just want to lead with love. I just want love to be in every aspect of it. Um, and I just see in my life, like when I have moments of like self doubt and fear, it's cause I'm really not coming from a place of love. So I think, like my deepest fears are deepest fears, but like what does keep me up is just, it's that fear of not like having, living up to my full potential or not living a fulfilled life. Um, not being enough, but not like enough for other people, I guess, just not being enough for myself or not giving enough to the world, like not making, you know, as much of a mark on people as I can, like, those are things that really worry me. I think I used to be more fearful of like not leaving behind like a legacy, but I don't, I've really learned that I don't really care about that. I'd rather just be really impactful right now and as many people as I can and like live as mo like live up to my full potential now while I'm here than worry about like a legacy when I'm gone. Like I feel like that's, that comes back to like living in the moment and just making the most of like, the one life thing too. Um, 
I think I'm just like, no, I just want what I do each day to be in alignment with who I am and like kind of the life I want to lead. So that would be it. I think living up, not living up to my potential or not living like a fulfilled kind of authentic life would be my biggest fear. Hmm. That's a great, that's a great answer. Well, where can people find you on social media, Shan? Oh my gosh. Well, they can find me at Shavray Fit, S-H-A-Y-B-R-A-Y-Y, two Y's, um, on Instagram. And then my regular Instagram is Shavray. It's probably, I literally very rarely post on that one now because having two accounts, I don't know how people manage two accounts. I just, I post most stuff on my Shavray Fit now. I'd say Shavray Fit is like the evolution of me. It's much more like real Shannon. The other one was like the pretty pictures, pretty trot. That's like my travel account more, but it's much more manicured. I feel much more, you know, who I am is my favorite fit. And then, uh, yeah, I'm not really on many other socials. I don't, I have a Facebook, but I don't really use it. Um, okay, last question for me. What, what, what advice from Boston soccer mom to kids today? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like, Honey, I would just say to live in your truth. Screw <laughs> <laughs> them. Live in your truth and screw the rest. <laughs> okay, I have not done the Boston soccer mom impression in so long. Well, you rolled right back into it yeah, like a champ. So it always comes right back. Oh my God, that did make me think of though. I have a quote that I heard on a podcast. You know, I love quotes, but. Emily Schramm, who's someone I follow, she's like a really great, I'd say, role model for, for girls. She's, she has a good podcast called Meathead Hippie, but I have to tell you the quote because I wrote it down because I was like, oh, they would love that. Um, but it just says, so the quote is, I'll try to read it eloquently. <laughs> a bird gets up every morning and sings its song. It does not wait to hear what other birds are singing, nor does it look to see if another bird is getting more noticed. It knows its song innately and sings. That is nature, knowing your song. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Drop the it. mic. By Michelle Oka Donor. That's I a good one. That. Know your song. Plaster that on my on the like bathroom mirror every yeah. morning so I can't remember it. Amazing. No, I just appreciate you guys. This was like such a fulfilling, like soul rejuvenating conversation. I feel having me back at you. you guys love you, Shannon. I love you guys. You guys are like the ultimate power couple. So you guys, are, you guys are gold. That's what I was going. Your right. I love you guys. Thank you so much for this. Bye, Thank Shannon. you. Enjoy your